79% of people disengaged. And in that 79% of people, there were 15 to 20 actively sabotaging the workplace. If your employees are sitting at their desk feeling alienated from the company, feeling alienated from their jobs, not engaged, you know, uh, you know, reading sports scores or watching, you know, kitty cat videos, they're not generating as much revenue for your business. Welcome to The Thinking Leader, brought to you by Red Team Thinking. Bad leaders react, good leaders plan, and great leaders think. Each week, you'll get new ideas and insights from business executives, military experts, and innovative thought leaders to help you lead more effectively and better navigate your complex world. Now, here are your hosts, best-selling business author and top-rated leadership speaker, Bryce Hoffman, and former RAF Wing Commander and Business Agility Coach, Marcus Dimbleby. Welcome to another episode of The Thinking Leader. Marcus, it's just you and I today. What are we talking about? It is my good friend. What are we talking about? Well, this week, during these boot camps we've been running, we've been getting lots of questions about the ROI, the return on investment of this red teaming capability that we've been teaching them all. So I thought it'd be really interesting for our listeners today to understand what our perspective is and some of the examples that we've had and seen with our clients about that return on investment by using this unique capability that we talk about often and teach to many people. Oh, that's a great one. You know, I when you say that, I think back to when I was researching my book. I, I... Which book was that, Bryce? Because you've got two. Red teaming. When I was red, red, teaming. Red, red teaming. When I was researching my book on red teaming, I uh, I was I was really struggling with this question because mm-hmm. because I was trying to figure out how do you quantify the return on investment on red teaming. I knew businesses were going to be asking this, so uh, I asked all the different military leaders and, and intelligence community folks that I've been working with how they how they quantified this, and they all said it was a, it was a huge challenge, and. Yeah, it's here. Here's the best example of that. I, I, as part of my research for the book, I was uh, had the pleasure of getting to work with uh, Dr. Daniel Kahneman and interview him and 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 run my ideas by him and see what he thought of them. And the first time I met uh, Daniel Kahneman, I was having breakfast with him at uh, a little cafe across from where he was teaching at NYU. And the the week before, I called up the head of the U.S military's red teaming program and the head of the British military's red team program, who I've been working closely with uh, for the past several months. And I said to each of them, I said, you know, hey, I'm, I, I'm meeting Daniel Kahneman in person uh, next week. Is there any question you want me to ask him? And, and the head of the American red teaming program said, oh, you know, yeah, you know, one cognitive bias that we're really struggling to figure out how to overcome is is this and and love to hear his insights on how you can counter that. It's like, great, took notes, you know, made perfect sense. This is what he won the Nobel Prize for is, is yeah. And uh, so I called the, the the head of the British red teaming program, uh, uh, Brigadier Tom Longland at the time at D at uh, MOD Shrivenham and told him the same thing. And he said, Oh yes. He said, uh, would you, would you ask him how to quantify the return on investment of red teaming? And I said, well, I said, Brigadier, I said, I know that, that, Dr. Kahneman won the Nobel Prize for economics, but you realize he's a cognitive psychologist, not an economist. And he says, oh, I, I understand that completely. He said, the thing is, is that he's probably one of the smartest men in the world. And we've been struggling to answer this question ever since <laughs> I've run the program. So maybe he could answer it because we can't. 
And it's interesting because, you know, when I asked the Americans about it, they said, uh, they said, how do you measure the sound of no dogs barking? Which is an interesting, an interesting kind of Zen cone. And, And I said, what do you mean by that? And they said, well, you know, if you, if you're red teaming successfully, you're avoiding problems. Bad things mm-hmm. are not happening. Yeah. So how do you measure that when they don't happen? And so I really was struggling with this. But, you know, as we've taken this into business, I think we found that in many cases you can quantify this yeah, very definitely. directly. Yeah. But it's a, it, it was an evolution. You know, I, I remember the very first company that I, that I taught this to, um, Fortune 15 company at the time, um, when the CEO asked me that question, fortunately he'd already signed a contract, so it's not part of the <laughs> part of the sales process. Um, but I, I was telling him this story actually at a cocktail party the night before our kickoff, and uh, I, I told him the story about about how the, how Brigadier Longland asked me to ask uh, Kahneman and how I, I told him Kahneman was was a, psych, a psychologist, not an economist, and I told him the story about no dogs barking, and then he probably said, "Well, what is the answer?" and at the time, I hadn't really done this mm-hmm. in earnest. So what I told him was, and I still think this is a valid analogy, though now, fortunately, we do have some numbers we can put on it. But I do still think about this all the time. At the time, I had just, I had just finished watching a documentary on CERN and the, the, the particle collider there and the work being done there, the discovery of the Higgs boson particle. Mm-hmm. You know how when you, know, when, when you see something, you're, you're, it's still playing out in your yeah. mind. So when he asked me this, at this cocktail party, I said, well, are you following the work that's going on at CERN with Higgs boson? And he said, yeah, a little bit, you know, I've, I've been reading about it and stuff. I said, well, you know what you, what you probably know then is that they've discovered the Higgs boson particle, but they haven't ever seen it. What they see instead is in the documentary I watched, did a great job of demonstrating this. They, they had a bowl of milk and they had a dropper, an eyedropper, they drop a drop of milk and it falls into the bowl. And when it lands in the bowl, another blob of milk shoots up. Yeah. And so what they explain is that, that we don't see the Higgs boson part. We see the other blob that shoots up when it hits yeah. the response another, from the yeah. impact. Yeah. Yeah. So I said, I said, I think that red teaming works in the same way. I said, I think you're going to be hard pressed to point and say, we saved $187 million last quarter as a result of red teaming. But I think what you're going to see is that other blob of milk shooting up. You're going to see mm-hmm. that you're making better decisions consistently. You're going to be happier with the quality of the decisions you're making. And you're going to uh, be making less mistakes. And he was, that was enough for him. He was satisfied with that. But, you know, as we've seen, taking this out into the real world, we do sometimes see. You had an experience recently, right, where, yeah, where ab- one of our absolutely. clients had a very clear dollar sign with it. Absolutely. I'll cover that in a second. I just want to go back to that what comment you made earlier, though, about measuring against, you know, how do we know bad things aren't happening? What organization today isn't having bad things happen, isn't having problems manifesting, isn't right. having high levels of risk going on? So for me, it's... It's take stock of where you are there and say, right, all these things are going on. We've got so many risks that are amber, so many risks that are red. We've got these issues. You know, one of the questions I often ask in change management is how many of your previous programs and plans have been delivered on time? And I never get an answer of all of them. Zero, (laughs) nada, ever. So, okay, then. Right. Well, let's look at the, the analysis of those things. How many were off track? How long? What was the cost of that? What was the delay time? Now apply some red teaming, red team thinking concepts to that, and then remeasure that a year or six months or whatever downrange. And that to me is you're bringing down that 
error margin rather right. than you know rather than increasing something from zero. But yes, and we've seen that we've absolutely, absolutely seen that one hundred percent. And talking about the recent client we had, often you know the ideal time to red team is before you go into the planning and strategizing. But you know this was created to wirebrush your strategies, and this organization, a global capability had a 2.5 billion strategy that they'd started in January. And we'd gone into a, a 12-month program with them and we went into the, the second phase in February. And when we were using their strategy, we were looking at that with three of the tools. And we just spent three afternoons with some of their core people who were involved in all different sections and parts of delivery of this uh, strategy, which was great because you had the execution, you had the guys at the front line, you had the people in the you know, main level offices. So you had a real 360 perspective on all levels of what was going on. And the whole general perspective of this plan was it wasn't a great strategy and they were concerned and they were like, oh, if only we'd, you know, that old thing we always hear, if only we'd had the chance to do this before right. we launched the plan. So, well, okay, you've launched the plan, but you're not executing it all at once. This is a two-year plan. So what is it that you're doing in the next six months? What do you not agree with? What's the concerns and challenges? So we went through some of those things. And as always, we surfaced through the analysis of the team lots of problems that they started to then challenge again. And then they made recommendations. I said, well, simple thing now is go back, make those recommendations to whoever's the, you know, holding the pen and see what happens and make them now with the evidence you've got rather than just going, oh, it's a bad plan, it won't work. And two weeks later, I got a phone call from their director. I got a message on LinkedIn. He said, can I, can I have a chat? I called him up. He said, mate, he said, we've just saved 10 million pounds already in executing on some of those recommendations we've made. And that's in the first two weeks of coming back. And he said, we've got wow. another 20 months ahead. So, you know, he said, I can't wait. We've got another session with him in April, then another one in June. He said, but just taking a, the right people. And this is what's key about red team. We could all go out into red team tomorrow and you'll fail miserably. You have to have the right people. Right. And he, he was really focused on with our help, bringing in that diverse group of people from all you know, all walks of life, all sections of the business. So he got to hear the things that he wouldn't normally have heard. And they weren't shy and holding back once they had the tools and techniques. But the the revelations that came out and the angst and concerns that people had normally mumbled about at the cooler or mumbled about in the back room when nobody else was listening got surfaced in a very collegial way. And when you surface them in that way, as we always say, you can't ignore it. You can't unsee right. the problem that you've... It wasn't Marcus saying, hey, this is a problem. They surfaced that themselves collectively. And then this thing's sat in the middle of the table like a monster going, okay, what are you going to do with this now? And they did something with it. And they took that away and they saved 10 million pounds for three afternoons worth of work. And we did not charge them 10 million pounds. <laughs> Nor did we do a percentage cut on the revenue increase. Which I know. We, 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 we got to figure out how to get people to do that because <laughs> I... never I, sign up for that, do they? Go no. on, tell me this one. Well, yeah, I, I, I'll the the biggest the biggest dollar sign we have, and again, boy, I wish we could figure out how to make our contract so that we get a percentage of money saved. Um, if anyone wants to take us up on that, we will we will work for a percentage of money saved. Um, the uh, we I I was working this before we started working together. Even this was probably uh, four or five years ago. I was working with one of the big Wall Street banks who shall remain nameless. Um, and doing a, in addition to, to doing training, like we, we, we do, we also sometimes when organizations don't really want to take the time to learn to do this themselves, mm -hmm. 
we're not consultants. We won't come in and do it for them, but we, what we will do is come in and lead them through a red teaming exercise on a, on a strategy or plan. And in this case, we were working, and this is still the only time I've encountered this, this, this word in a strategy that I've been working on. A one I'm laughing because I know what's coming. Yes, one trillion dollar strategy. Trillion. One trillion dollars. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Let me get a cat. Come on. I know. I don't have a cat. You have a cat. I do. Uh, He's in the kitchen. The uh, and and that was uh, it was an entirely new financial product, and they estimated that over the next decade this was going to generate one trillion dollars in revenue for them. And so we started. We started on the first day, and we. Uh, you know, I led them through several of the different techniques that we teach. We did assumptions challenge. We did pre-mortem analysis. We ended the day with pre-mortem analysis. And the head of the business unit went went home. She came in the next morning. I met with her half an hour before we kicked off to see how things had been going. And she had dark circles under her eyes. I said, you okay? You feeling okay? And she said, I didn't sleep last night at all. <clears throat> she said, I, there were a couple of things that came out of yesterday that kept me up all night because I was like, We've been working on this for two years. Why? Mm-hmm. Why did, are we just seeing these now? And I said, "Well, let's let's test them further using using another technique. Uh, let's use Devil's Troika on them this morning." When we were done with that at lunchtime, she said, "I don't think we need to do the rest of the afternoon session." She said, "By then, she she and some other team members had identified a potentially fatal flaw in the strategy, and you know." she said to her team, this is, this is serious. I mean, you know, I don't know how we missed this, but now that we see it, you know, I, I, I can't good conscious go forward with the strategy. We need to address it. And it's going to take a while because we're going to have to rethink a, a few major parts of the strategy. And so she went and she met with the chairman of the bank, um, a name that everyone would be familiar with and uh, came back and said, uh, yeah, we're going to, we're going to hold this strategy for six months and we're going to take what wow. we learned and we're going to redo it. And, and they did redo it and it launched successfully. And I asked her later, this is over a year later. I said, how much do you think you guys saved by, by fixing this? And she said, at least $10 billion, probably a lot more. And, uh, I said, wow. I said, you know, I, you know, next time I come in, maybe we can do a percentage. Just point one percent will do it. Yeah, I'd be happy with with point one percent. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's you know this is this is real. I mean, this is this is how when you're dealing with high stakes plans, it, it can be that significant. But you know, I let's take a quick break. But when we come back, I would really like to talk about something that that, that you and I have been talking about a lot lately, which is the impact that engagement has. And how valuable that is to companies and organizations of all types. We'll be right back. Hey, folks, Bryce here. If you're listening to this and you're liking what you're hearing and you're wondering, am I a red team thinker? We have an easy way for you to find out. Just go to the show notes, click on the link there to our free assessment to find out if you are a red team thinker and what you can do to think more effectively to lead more effectively, and to make better decisions faster in your complex world. Like I said, the link is in the show notes, or you can simply go to our website, redteamthinking.com. Check it out. I can't wait to see how you score. Welcome back. So, you know, what we shared before the break were some some very concrete examples of companies that have saved very specific amounts of money by, by figuring out 
ways to to improve or or change their plans using red team thinking. But I think there's a there's a more important element to this, which is engagement. Marcus, you've been studying this a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you know, I'm a big fan of people and empowering and, en- and engaging them. It's kind of my thing. Uh, and I loved it when we had the uh, senior executive on from Gartner. And he was talking about all the statistics that we see from these great Gartner reports. And I was looking at the State of the Global Workplace 2022 report. And it's quite shocking. And Gallup in there conclude that only 21% of employees... Gallup, pra- not Gartner. Sorry, Gallup. My bad. Ga- Gallup. Yeah, Gallup... 21% of employees are engaged at work. 20, 21%. I, I just find that staggering. And that means when you go further into the report, it was saying, you know, so there are 79% of people disengaged. And in that 79% of people, there were 15 to 20 actively sabotaging the workplace. And, I was, and you go into the report's brilliant. I highly, re, highly recommend reading this report. And this thing about engagement, this thing about people coming to work and not bringing their A game means you are missing a trick as an employee. And I think both Apple, and we'll share the link, both Apple and Google did studies on this. And they found that every 1% increase in engagement, they saw 1% increase in ROI, productivity, output outcomes, because again, engaged people make the engine turn better, faster, more effective, more efficient. And just being engaged as an individual, feeling empowered to do what you need to do, having purpose, for me, is the, is the sole fo- focus of leadership today to get your engine of your company function as it should. And, and, and that's, you know, that should be like a Captain Obvious sort of thing. I mean, if your employees so are sitting at their desk feeling alienated from the company, feeling alienated from their jobs, not engaged, yeah. you know, uh, you know, reading sports scores or watching, you know, kitty cat videos they're not generating as much revenue for your business as they would if they were excited, if they were engaged, if they were doing their jobs, you know, giving it a hundred percent, giving it 75% big enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. More and, than 21. And, and that's the thing is because what we find in every organization that we work with, whether it be business, whether it be government, whether it be nonprofits is when we bring people together and teach them how to use these tools and techniques, you get engagement off the off the chart. People are excited to get back to work and use because you know why? Because they're being listened to. And at the end of the day, what most of us want is just to is just to matter, is just to just to be listened to, not to just be a cog in a machine that's told, go over here, stand here, move this from point A to point B move this piece of paper from this box to that box, send this email. No, we want our ideas. We want to hear our perspectives. And so when you give people tools and you've got leaders who are using those tools every single day with their teams, of course those teams are going to be engaged because they're actually being engaged with. Yeah, you see that. And the feedback in one of the banks we work with where we taught their team leaders this. And six months later, the feedback, they came back and said, <clears throat> How's it going? Yeah, well, personally, I'm loving this as a leader manager because I'm able to delegate far much more now because I'm seeing my teams for the capabilities that they have. And I'd never allowed that before. And previously, I'd been doing all the work and I'd not trusted them. And I'd just like penny pinched the good work for myself and dished out what I didn't want to do. Where now the teams are engaging them individually and saying, right, we want to do this. We think this is a good idea. That's a bad idea. We should do this. And doing that and enabling that and having the humility of a leader to step back and go, okay, 
I'm hands off, take it away. Engage with the problem, engage with each other. And as you said, they love it. I call it that Terminator red eye. You walk into organizations where we know that you know, mediocrity is the norm. You see sheep-like passivity. You can walk in, you can feel it in the culture. You sense it in the air and you're like, these people just aren't happy. And, and it's evident. But you start using these tools and techniques in these small groups and that terminated red eye starts to fire back up and the fire in their eye comes up, the fire in the belly comes up and you start to see that passion and emotion, that drive that we all have, that everyone gets out of work in the morning <clears throat> to come to work to deliver and to hopefully be allowed isn't that awful? You have to be allowed to share this stuff in most organizations. That shouldn't be something you're allowed to do. That should be a goddamn given right that that's how we expect people to operate. And doing that, engaging your people to do so, I think for me is one of the most powerful things that you can do as a leader out there. Yeah, but it's rare, as you say. I mean, when I, yeah. you know, in my previous life, when I was when I was a financial journalist, people wanted my opinion on the news stories of the day, but no one wanted to hear what I had to say about how, how to run the company, which was being run into the ground, parenthetically. Um, you know, I, I've Staying said this before, nothing, nothing is more frustrating than being a business reporter at a newspaper over the past uh, 20 or 30 years when the newspaper industry, at least in the United States, was being run into the ground because I would, I would spend my waking hours working with some of the best business leaders in the world, learning what they did, learning how they were fixing their companies. Mm -hmm. And then I'd come back to the office and just, just as you say, talk about sheep. It wasn't like sheep. It was like most people were walking around, you know, with a razor blade to their wrist. <laughs> I mean, it, you know, it's companies just going out of business by the day. And, and if I ran into one of the business side people in the hall and I said, you know, Hey, you know, I, I know that saw this new initiative you guys are thinking about doing, you know, here's a couple things you might want to think about. They look at me like, get back to the newsroom, write a yeah. story. What are you talking to us story for? Stuff. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I, I finally told a publisher once I said, you know, you do realize that I spend my days hanging out with some of the biggest CEOs in America and that we've got such a good rapport now that they bounce ideas off of me. Mm -hmm. And yet when I come to you with a couple of constructive suggestions about yeah. how you might want to think differently about this business that you've been running into the ground for the past 10 years, you look at me like, like, I, like I'm a shoeshine boy or something like that. That's the problem, isn't it? Right there, because you want to engage, you want to make a difference, you want to help. And you've, by fortune of your position, you've been in those great organizations with great people where you've learned by osmosis, you've learned by building relationships. And you want to take that back and share it in your organization where you see things happening that I think there's nothing more demoralizing for you in that position, for people in the workplace where they see problems and they see them get worse and worse. And they keep, what, what if, shut up, what would, thank you, be quiet. And then it cascades and explodes or that person just leaves. You know, there's nothing worse than a silent employee because you know that they are thinking about something else. And for me, one of the, one of the questions I often ask when we're working with clients, when they say, you know, how do we measure this? I asked them, <clears throat> hey, how are your pulse surveys? What are you seeing in those sort of annual and quarterly colleague morale surveys that you're getting? <clears throat> Sorry. You know, are you seeing high scores or low scores? And invariably, many of these things, if they're answered truthfully and, you know, published afterwards, which often many don't because they don't like what they see, then you start to see with the reality of what's going on. Yes, you may have high ROI, but if you've got low engagement, low morale, the ROI will over time start to dip. And I remember when I worked in a bank when I was running Agile Transformation, we had these great mood surveys running. 
and I could preempt what would, what would happen. So we'd have our exec meetings and I'd say, next month, we're going to lose productivity here and here. And they're like, why? I said, because this is the feedback I'm getting from that team. So we now need to intervene. So what that's giving you is a leading indicator, which allows you to take action before the event, rather than what invariably most metrics are, are lagging indicators. The horse has already bolted. You've already missed the opportunity. And if you have leading indicators, even if you don't know the answer, which you probably won't, and that's okay. And that's what you need the humility for as a leader and a manager of people to go, do you know what? I'm seeing, sensing something from this data. The feedback's telling me something, but I don't know what the answer is. Don't wait till it implodes. Go and mention it to the team. Go and ask the team, go, hey, something's bubbling. Are you sensing it like I am? Oh yeah, we are. We've all been talking about this as a team. Great. So how do we solve that? And the response you're going to get when you ask that question, how do we solve that? People go, what? You want my opinion? You're going to get overwhelmed with opinions. You're going to get people riffing off of each other and you're going to get more ideas and great suggestions and solutions. And you're going to get an increase in morale, an increase in happiness and improved engagement. And who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't want that? Especially now when we hear so much about quiet quitting, when you have people who are leaving in, in record numbers. This is how you counter that, is engaging with your people. And if you engage with your people, then not only are you going to get a better ROI, you're going to keep those people. Yeah. I I spoke, I know, I spoke to another big bank not long ago and he was, oh, Marcus, this great great resignation is killing us. And I was like, is it? I said, really? Why why is that? Oh, people are just leaving now. They're, They're not bothered about working anymore. I said, there's no such thing as a great resignation. Oh, there is. I read it in Harvard Business Review. I said, that's nonsense. It's like, what? I said, it's a great migration. I said, people aren't quitting their jobs and leaving your place. I said, they're moving to somewhere where exactly the problems you've been telling me about, they don't have those problems. They're moving to places where they are welcomed, they're engaged, they are given responsibility, they're not spoken down to, and they're empowered to do what you actually employed them to do in the first place. Because there's nothing worse. Is it? Steve Jobs 101, employ smart people and don't tell them what to do. Let them tell you what to do. And if you're not doing that, then people are resigning to move to somewhere else because you're, you're not providing that capability for them or that offering in your organization. And he just sat back and was like, yes. Now, now you say that, you could see all the little cognitive cogs going and he's like, you could see a metric here dropping in and report in what HR I've mentioned here and all the pieces start to fall into the puzzle and they start to paint you that picture of what's going on. And so many organizations need to look at that holistically and see the moving parts coming together before churn rates, another great statistic. What's the churn rate of your people each year? What percentage of people are you losing and put a dollar on that? Because how much does it cost then if Bob leaves and Susan comes in? How much does it cost to upskill, train Susan to get her to the level of competence that Bob was before he left? That's a cost that you have created that didn't need to happen because Bob left unhappy. If you're a company and you're listening to this, if you're a business leader or an organization leader, because this is true in nonprofits and government agencies as well, and you're worried about keeping your, your employees and keeping them engaged, the secret is not is not buying a wet bar or, or letting them bring their dogs to work or, or, or bringing in a yoga instructor. The secret is to listen and engage with your employees. That's all you need to do, folks. That's it. Listen and engage. Simple as. Thank you for tuning in to The Thinking Leader. Check the show notes for more information about the topics covered in this episode there. 
you'll also find a link to our free assessment. Click on it right now to find out if you are a Red Team thinker with a Red Team culture.